Good morning. Good morning to everybody who's joining us online. I am so grateful for everyone that's here, everyone that's within earshot. Uh, my heart is so full this morning as we get to continue our series on our church. Uh, last week, Pastor Ralph kicked us off uh, talking about God's perspective for the church. Uh, the church is his idea. Uh, the church is the hope of the world. And we're going to this week and next week move in a little bit more. We'll be talking about some things that the word does say about the church. But we're also going to be putting it in the context of what is God saying for us here at the Church of Grace and Peace at our church. Can you say amen? So, uh, you know, if you got your notes from the bulletin there, you can see that we're talking about foundations uh, this week and next week. And, you, you know, the thing about foundations, particularly in this series that we're going to be looking at, you know, it's of great benefit for us to look at foundations regardless of wherever we are in our walk with God. If somebody is brand new to, uh, you know, living out, uh, living for Jesus and him being Lord of our lives and walking out biblical principles, then when we talk about foundations, we're looking at things that someone is wanting to get established in their life. But then we look at somebody who's maybe been in the Lord for, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and we have to make sure that the thing we want to do in our journey with God is never get away from the foundations, right? And, and it can be easy to sort of let go of some of the things that are so important. And, uh, you know, I'm calling these foundations because I just really want that picture to be in our head. And I'm going to be inviting you uh, to be taking inventory as we go through the things that we look at here today. So how is this area in my life? Am I living this out? Am I walking this out? You know, when you think about foundations, I, you know, I think back to, you know, memories when, when I was a kid and, you know, times in school. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I remember as a child being very, very fascinated by the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I literally can remember being in my elementary classroom uh, and hearing the teacher talk all about it and seeing the picture of it and, you know, this thing is lopsided and, you know, just, just for some reason that stood out to me. I mean, I, I was not a future engineer, Lord knows, you know, but something about it. You know, scientists travel yearly to measure the building's slow descent. It's sinking and tipping, right? And they report that this uh, nearly 180-foot tower moves about one 20th of an inch uh, per year, and it's now 17 feet out of plumb. I understand that this was, uh, it's an 800 and uh, maybe 20 some odd year old tower, and it is eventually going to fall over and collapse onto, you know, whatever's around it there. So uh, they just keep looking, and, you know, it's interesting, uh, this, this is in Italy, the word Pisa means marshy land. Interesting that a tower has its foundation on marshy land. Well, what we're going to be looking at here today, we're, we're not going to have a foundation. We don't have a foundation that's marshy land, but we have the rock of Jesus Christ and God's purposes, God's picture for what he wants his church to be. And so I'm going to just uh, work us through uh, two of these foundations today, and then, uh, Lord willing, with time remaining, I just want to share a couple of biblical pictures of what the Lord says about the church. So in sharing these foundations, uh, it's my goal to cast some vision for us to catch a picture of, you know, where is God taking us and who is he calling us to be? And I want us to understand, I want to take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It says, but in a great house... There, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Look what it goes on to say. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So when we look at God's purposes, God's design, what God desires to do in our lives, we can make a choice to say, Lord, I want to be sanctified and set apart for you. I'm choosing. It's, in, it's interesting how we get to decide what vessel we want to be. 
And part of what we're looking at here today is we want to get such a clear picture of what God says His church in a healthy, vibrant, on-track church before Him, with Him, in Him, through Him looks like. Amen? So it's uh, our, our hearts cry this morning, Lord, we want to be sanctified uh, and, and useful, prepared for every good work that you have for us. You know, this, this thing, this wonderful, incredible thing uh, called the church was all God's idea, and it wasn't one of several plans that God had. When Jesus died and rose from the dead uh, and, and ascended into heaven, he told the church that I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail. It is the one and only plan that God has for his kingdom, for his love and his salvation to advance in the world around us. How many know it's no wonder that the enemy works so hard to break down and, 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 and just rob the church and have it defeated and beat up? Uh, but Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. And I love that verse because, you know, when you talk about gates, that's not even talking about hell being on the offensive. Saying not only will hell not prevail on the offensive, but then when you go to knock down the gates, the gates will not prevail. In other words, you keep bringing my kingdom to the darkest places. And and what a joy that that's what we've been called to do. Come on, can you say amen? Each local church, including this one, is a beachhead for the salvation of the lost around us, for the kingdom of God to work into darkness. It's a lighthouse. It's a hospital. We're a community, a family, and we're an equipping center. Uh, We are the many-membered spiritual extension of Christ, called to carry his will and bring redemption to the earth. It tells us in Ephesians 1, 22 to 23, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So wow, his authority, his might, his fullness, he has placed into our hands. Church, can you dream with me a little bit? Let's dream beyond what we see in our culture. Let's dream beyond what we see media peddling our way. Let's dream beyond the the crushing and the grinding that we've gone through for the last couple of years. And let's let God capture our heart for a church that kicks down the gates of hell. Can you say amen? Amen. So let's look at these foundations. Let's just spend a couple of minutes here. Uh, The first one uh, are the three great commitments. So we want to talk about the three great commitments as foundation for, for what we do, for who we are as a church. Let's take a look at Matthew 22, and we'll start in verse 37. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And it goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So again, can you see why whether I'm brand new, a day old in Jesus, or 30 years old in Jesus, I got I to gotta always be working first and foremost from the first great commitment that I'm called to make, to love him with everything I've got. Man, if, if we get away from that, everything else that we're doing is just going to diminish and diminish and get dysfunctional and, and, and worse, right? If we don't stay, I mean, what did Jesus say, you know, one of the churches in Revelation, he said, you've lost your first love. You've moved away from that place of love me with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. And so, you know, we call this, this is commonly called the great commandment. There's actually two there, right? So we can call it the great commandments. But as we look at this, this commitment that God is calling us to make, the, the first and foremost, you know, in context, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And his response was to give two. But he was very specific in the order, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then out of that is going to happen, love your neighbor as yourself. So I tell you what, when I start becoming challenged loving my neighbor, I got to go back and I got to look at, am I letting my love for God start to cool off? 
Am I getting distracted? Is there stuff going on in my life where, where I just got to kind of, you know, get back to that place where, Lord, you are first and foremost in my life. And, and then, you know, from this great commandment, these great commandments, it pours into the next commitment that we stand on as a foundation. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Wow, if they were talking about the end of the age 2,000 years ago, wonder where we are now. Huh? Doesn't that change the way we see the, the world events going on around us? God's got a plan. His triumphant church being salvation and hope, bringing it to the world around us. So are, are we getting the picture so far? I love him. I keep my love for him first and foremost. It's a foundation I don't leave. And out of that pours a love for the world around me. And then that's going to move into this commitment to, and if you're filling in in the notes, the, the Great Commission. We call this the Great Commission. So the Great Commandments pour into the Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. But interesting, it says go make disciples, baptizing them. So when we talk about making disciples, disciple making starts with introducing people that don't know Christ, introducing them to Christ so that they can meet them. So discipleship starts with, we got to let the world know that there is hope. We got to let the world know that there is one who died for them and that there is forgiveness and salvation, life eternal in Christ Jesus. And I love it. He didn't say, and uh, hey, I'll catch up to you after you get that all done. And he says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age, the Great Commission. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if we've been in the church for any period of time, we're, we're familiar with the Great Commandment, the Great Commission. I want to talk about now this next one, uh, a little bit lengthier of a portion of Scripture. Follow along with me in Matthew 25, starting with verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Coming and taking our inheritance. But notice what he goes on to say. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothing you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So we call this the great compassion. And so our foundation, one of our key foundations as the church, and then for us here at Grace and Peace, is these three commitments to his great commandment, to his great commission, and to the great compassion. It's a really neat study when we look in the Word of God uh, in the Gospels, how many times it'll talk about Jesus and it'll say, and he was moved with compassion. And then it would say he's moved with compassion and he healed them. There's all, all kinds of things that happened as he was moved with compassion. And so God wants us to be a people that are moved with compassion at the brokenness and the lostness and, and the hurt that's going on in the world around us. Can you say amen? And, and you know, that's not something that we can manufacture. Uh, that's not something that we want to muster up in our flesh. And that's why we, we go in this order. But when I love him with all my heart and I keep that love burning hot, I keep that love, you know, just stoked and prioritized in my life, then that's going to pour into care for others. It's going to pour into an understanding of his mission. I'm going to catch a heart for the world around me, and it's going to pull me into a place of compassion. How many know that's a church that changes the world? Right? When we decide, I will not let go of these foundations, of these commitments. Now, from these commitments, we move into foundation number two, and it's that uh, we are a church driven by purpose. 
And so out of, out of these three commitments, these three biblical commitments, we see that God tells us in his word that for his church, there are five biblical purposes and functions that should be going on in his church. So a lot of churches, you know, depending on the, the flavor and uh, specific calling, they might lean into certain things more than others, but it ought to be a biblical church has these things as foundations. And I want to invite you again to, uh, to see with me, catch a picture of where God wants to bring us moving forward. And I also want to invite you to, if you are taking notes, if you notice on the back under next steps, normally we have a bunch of things suggested. Uh, it's blank. And what I'd like to invite you to do with me, um, okay, our leaders hear this all the time and our members hear this in membership class. But I want to talk to us here. Hey, hey, family, this is our church. Amen? Amen. We're talking about our church. Uh, I want to invite you to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. As we look at who God has called us to be, what God has called us to do moving forward, I want you to think thermostat. So a thermometer walks in the room and just reads the temperature. And then that's it. But we know a thermostat, right? sets the temperature in the room. And so I want to invite us as a church family, the reason why we're doing this is so that we'll know this is who God has called us to be, and I'm growing in Christ, and as I'm growing in Christ, I'm going to bring my supply, I'm going to bring my faith, I'm going to bring my steps as I grow uh, into this room, and I'm going to set the temperature so that our vision isn't some ideal somewhere out there, but that our vision is something that we are growing into and moving into. Amen? And it is something that all of us, all of us have to do. So I want you to be thinking about this as we go through these purposes from, from that perspective. So we are driven by purpose. What is the first one? It's worship. Our first purpose is worship. And again, you'll notice that these, pur these purposes, they're going to mirror uh, to a great degree these three commitments that we looked at. Right, so we start with worship. There's four other purposes. We can't touch those other four purposes until we look at worship. Just like I can't talk about compassion and the Great Commission until I understand. I got to first love Him with all my heart. Amen? So worship, we are a spirit-filled people. And so that means we understand the opportunity that God has given us to experience His presence as we worship, to encounter the living God as we worship together. And so, and so I just want to invite us to get that picture. You know, uh, so often, you, you know, uh, we are in environments where it's kind of spectate with whatever's going on. You know, we've been to concerts and all of these things. But worship isn't about spectating, it's about participating, right? I mean, we just did that together this morning. But church, I want you to know, I want you to hear it loud and clear. I want you to be free and released that this is a place where you are free to worship God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. When you walk through these doors to come into this room, to not go, I guess I'll just hang back here for today. And let's not be a place that goes, wow, worship was smoking today. I mean, I couldn't not worship. You know, let's, let's be a people. What an amazing concept that the creator of the universe that needs nothing, that owns it all, gives us the voluntary choice to worship him. That is our first privilege and opportunity as believers. We come through these doors and our first assignment in our relationship with him is to minister to him. In the Old Testament, the priests would do that. You know, the, the closest that, that the, the body could do was come and bring the sacrifice and, you know, be repentant. But the priest would go and stand in the gap. We're a kingdom of priests. As a matter of fact, we are kings and priests with him here in this new covenant. So we come into this sanctuary and we have an opportunity to come boldly to the throne to worship God. Church, I want you to be free. If, if you want to lay, you, you know, flat before the Lord on the floor, if you want to jump, if you want to bow, if you want to sing, if you want to shout, if you want to run around, 
you just let, let worship flow out of your heart. But you hear what I'm saying about we don't come and, and just kind of check the temperature, but we show up in here as worshipers, as kingdom uh, kings and priests, and we get before God and we decide to worship him with all of our hearts. Amen? Amen? Oh, what does that look like? What does that look like when it doesn't matter what went on during the week, but that we walk in this room and, you know, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I needed stuff broken off my life before I could start worshiping God freely. You know, I came from a background that was about as reserved and stifled as it gets in, in, in churchdom. You know, and, and I was so self-conscious. The first thing I thought when I got in a room full of people on fire for God, I thought, these people are nuts. You know, but, but I, I immediately recognized, but there's something here that's not where I was. That something was someone, it was the Lord, and it was His Holy Spirit moving among His people. And how many know that God has designed Christianity, God has designed our faith. We are founded on the Word of God, we walk out His precepts and His principles, we live in obedience, we walk by faith, but if we cannot exclude the presence of Holy Spirit. We, we will have a faith that, or we will have an expression of faith that is missing a dimension of power and manifestation if we don't allow Holy Spirit to move in our midst as He desires to. Come on, can you say amen? You know, so God, the word tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. And so I can remember I was so self-conscious, and, and I've shared this in different messages, but the, it was a progressive process of breaking off the fear of man, breaking off. I mean, come on, if I walk into a service and I'm concerned about how I look, I'm missing what it's all about. And I had to recognize that. I had to learn that. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to raise my hands. Meanwhile, you know, people are just about swinging from the chandeliers. You know, and here I am worried about what it's going to look like if I go like this. You know, how goofy, right? But I tell you what, something broke off when I, when I lifted my hands this far. And then I can remember when I went like this, oh my goodness, it was like I heard all of heaven singing. You know, it's like I, I just, I couldn't believe the, the freedom I experienced. And I remember then, then all of a sudden having an encounter with God at the altar, weeping before for the Lord, being able to fall on my face. Church, I just want you to be free to come and bring your heart before the Lord when we gather in worship. Not only free to do that, but I, I want to encourage you as we move into the days ahead, let's be those that set the temperature. I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm not talking about mustering anything up in the flesh. I'm talking about just making the decision to say, Lord, I'm all yours. And just for us to ask ourselves, what does it look like for me to bring my, my heart to minister to God? What does it look like for me to do that? You, you know, and maybe, you know, it's not going to go from white knuckling the chair to, uh, you, 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 know, uh, you know, coming up front. But I will say this. There is something that God can do when we change proximity, when we change location. You know, it's, it's, that's why we call it taking a step, you know, just making the decision. So I, I just want to invite you. Why don't we make the decision that when these doors are open and our time of corporate worship is happening, that we just gather up at the front of the altar? We just make a decision to, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, chair inspecting to see who comes up. I just want you to feel invited to do that. And if somebody wants to, you know, just to, for us to spread around this room and just lift up high praise to the one who deserves it. Amen. Amen. And, and then with that, you know, with that, you, you know, there is a corporate anointing that comes in corporate worship. And there'll be different moves and things that Holy Spirit will do in our midst. And, and let's, let's dream together this way. There is no formula for that. There's no manual. We'll turn to, oh, Holy Spirit's moving this way. That's page 57, okay, you know. We've got to listen. We've got to tune in. And then together, we have to discern and be led by Holy Spirit. Sometimes we'll hit the bullseye. Sometimes we'll look back and we'll say, oh, we got a little off course there. Or that didn't quite land or felt like God wanted to do more, but we just didn't quite. Church, that, that's, we go away and we say, all right, Lord, our eyes are on you. Our ears are turned toward you. I want to invite us as a church family, if that's not your background, to not look at that like, well, hey, isn't that weird? Or, or what if there's, you know, sometimes we'll wait on the Lord. Sometimes I'm waiting. I've had this happen where I'm waiting, 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 and it just doesn't really move into anything. And I've had folks come and say, that was awkward. 
like, and, and what they're saying is, I, I'm bothered by that. And I want to encourage us, don't be bothered. Let's understand we waited on the Lord. And let's understand that sometimes, we're, you know, we will more together, this is pastors, is, is, you know, as well as us as a congregation. There are gifts that God has put inside you. We have Pastor Diane working with uh, training up in the prophetic and, uh, you, you know, helping folks be mentored through on how to discern God's voice. So there will be some times where, man, there'll be a word that somebody will get and maybe it's a private word. You know, and so you'll be, you'll be encouraged, well, hey, I think that's for you, not for the congregation. There'll be other times where maybe, you know, p- the, the pastor is sensing we're to get quiet. And somebody's really excited and they just want to belt out. You know, we want to, as a church family, be vision-driven enough where we could say, hey, you know what? Quiet now. We're waiting on God. This is a waiting time. And when the whole church family can go, oh, all right, thanks for the instruction. Thanks for the leading. Yeah, we're going after God together. Come on, can you say amen? What I'm saying is it's, it's, it's messy. Anybody beside me willing to say, let's let it be messy so that we get all that God wants for us, right? Let, let's just let it, let's just figure out. Because you know, once, you know, God's, you know, maybe this is like with a little, you know, twinkle in God's eye. Once we think we got it figured out, that's when the Lord says, you know, because he, he doesn't want us to do apart from him. Amen. So I just want us to get this picture for worship. But again, it's going back to expressing our heart, ministering to him. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I just want you to catch this, church, for the days that we're living in. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Man, that kingdom that he is building inside of us and building through us is a kingdom that can't be shaken. So let's, let's go after him acceptably with reverence. Those are the filters that we use as we, we bring our hearts before him. Let's look at Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's, we were just singing that, weren't we? Just about the goodness of God and all, all our life he has been faithful. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So again, under next steps, I just want to, around the room, spending a lot of time on this one, because this is, this is the heart part. This is where we start off. It's, it's worship. Love him with all of our heart. What does a next step in corporate worship look like for you? Again, please don't hear me trying to manufacture anything. I'm not trying to make us do any kind of lit, jump through liturgical hoops. But, you know, is there, you know, maybe somebody here would say, you know, whenever the song calls for us to raise our hands, I have a tough time with that. I'm going to start raising my hands. You know, that would be a step you're taking in worship. Or, or, or maybe someone would come and say, you know, honestly, I've just, just been sort of absorbing the atmosphere. I don't know that I've been engaging my heart. I'm going to purpose to do that. Maybe for others, you're saying, you know what, I will come up front to the altar and I'll worship at the altar. You know, just what is the next step that you can take so that you're bringing your full heart to the Lord when we gather for worship? Amen? You know, when we look at it, I heard somebody say this uh, just in this last week. When somebody comes to the Lord, when somebody comes before him, you know, the, the, the ultimate goal of what's to happen, when somebody meets Christ... There's a healing of their soul. Salvation, somebody being born again. The, the goal of the human soul being healed through union with Christ. We have union with him. When we make Jesus Lord and Savior, he comes to dwell inside of our hearts. And, and there's healing that comes in that moment. All right, everybody tracking so far? All right. All right, uh, so let's talk about our next purpose is evangelism. So remember, we talked about our commitments. We said loving him with all of our heart, and that goes into discipling, baptizing, reaching people. So we want to talk about evangelism. <coughs> so 1 Peter 3, 15, 
But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, in our modern days, I feel like in these recent days, some people have left the gentleness and respect side off of that, that scripture. You know, that's a great scripture, and, and we want to make sure we include this as we give the reason for the hope that we have, that we do it with gentleness and respect. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 2 Timothy 4, 5, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, uh, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. And then let's look at Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there's a whole sermon series in that portion of scripture, but what we see in that is how can they hear unless somebody goes? How can they hear the gospel unless somebody shares it? And we know that as we share the word of God, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we share the, the good news and the hope of salvation in Christ and people's hearts. Faith begins to grow in their hearts and then they can respond and make Jesus Lord and Savior of their lives. I, I looked up online just to get a little bit of a, a current snapshot of what's our evangelistic mission field for us here at the Church of Grace and Peace. So I looked up uh, Ocean County population. And uh, actually the first number that came up was from a 2019 finding, and it was like 607,000 people, over a half a million people. And then uh, 2022 was 624,000 people in Ocean County. That's the mission field in the world around us. How will they hear unless somebody shares? How will they know unless somebody invites, unless somebody shares the good news with them? So there are many parts of the body of Christ all around Ocean County, churches. What does he have for grace and peace to do as far as impacting the 624,000 people just in our county? And so you see why I started with, I got to love God with all my heart? Because from that place, so, so under next steps, I want to ask, you know, the last couple of years have been a grind. They've been difficult. They've been uh, challenging in so many ways. How's our heart toward those that are broken? How's our heart toward those that are lost, that don't know Christ yet? Do we have a heart that's filled with his compassion to see them found, to see them loved, to see them reached? You know, uh, Lou, uh, Lou Scheidt, he's on our trustee board. He was in our first service, and uh, Lou just carries such a maturity and such a gifting uh, in sharing his faith. And I've had the privilege of being with him, you know, at a lunch or a breakfast or whatever. And he, he actually carries the, um, you, you know, the Billy Graham track on uh, Knowing Peace. And uh, he, he's just so fantastic and disarming in conversation, whether it's with a waiter or a waitress or at the gas station or whatever. And he's constantly giving those out. And he's developed out of his personality, out of his shape, just a way to actually share the gospel depending on how that conversation will go, you know. So we can hear, you know, reaching people in our community and we can think, man, if, if that's where I'm supposed to be, that's a big journey from where I am to there. I, I, I want, again, that's why you, you hear us so often talk about just taking steps, you know, so a first step that we can do to grow our evangelistic heart, to see the lost reach in our community, uh, is to pray for the lost. Just pray for them, right? Because we'll develop more of a heart. And you want to know what? If that feels burdensome, then we want to make that prayer where we start praying, Lord, give me a heart for the lost. You know, not just those in our family, those that we already have a heart for, but praying for those who are going into an eternity without Christ. 
You, and then, then, you know, the next thing, next step we can take, all right, I'm praying for the lost. What can I do? Well, I can, I can invite people to church. And some of you are saying, but, you know, Jim, you just told us to, you know, just be, you know, completely uninhibited in our worship. I'm going to invite my neighbor out. They're going to think I'm a nut. And I would say, you know what? Let the cat out of the bag. Let them know. Because you want to know it? If we don't do it in the flesh and it's not some kind of manufactured thing, it might have them going, what is this? But they're going to go, something's here. And then they're going to realize someone's here. It's the Lord. They're going to see life. You know, it's really interesting, you know, as every, everybody always looks at what somebody else is doing and, you, you know, uh, they, they kind of think that they want to do something the other person's way. You know, the, the Pentecostal outpouring in this modern century, it came out of the holiness movement. People just getting the world out, living fully on fire for God. Hey, loving him with all their heart. That erupted into a holiness which poured out the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and now there's Pentecostal denominations all around the world. But then the second generation gets it and the third generation gets it. And what, what is it about us as human beings where we look and we say, the grass is greener on the other side. So now the Pentecostals, they, they want to tone it down a little bit. You know, because they wanna, don't want to look too crazy. You know, but you want to know what's happening at the same time? You know, the Baptists are looking and they're saying, well, I go to your church not because I want to be Pentecostal, but, ooh, I like that worship. I feel something in that worship. We, you know, the, the kind of joking back and forth, you know, some of the pastors that I know that, you know, we call it Bapticostal, right, you know, kind of a thing. You know, but it's interesting how, how there, there can be this, you know, uh, looking at what's better over here or what, what's going to, what I'm saying is, I tell you what, church, when we just have God here in substance as we seek him with all of our hearts, we need not be ashamed of inviting anybody to come and experience what we are. And like I said, you know, I, I learned this lesson. I can remember early in my faith working in two different restaurants as a waiter. In the first restaurant, I was timid about my faith. And so I didn't talk about my Christianity. And you want to know what? I lived a defeated walk before everybody. But you know what? God was working in my life. He was convicting me and he was showing me. And then I decided, you know what? I'm not going to hide this. I'm not going to, you know, let myself be ashamed or intimidated or, you know, so what if people, you know, make fun or whatever? And I had people make fun. I had people call me a zealous nut. I had somebody else, you know, tell me I was an idiot, you know, other, other colorful things. But you want to know what? In that second setting, I lived my testimony before them in a whole different way. And you want to know what? There were a whole bunch of people that came along and said, hey, can I ask you? Can I ask you? So, I, church, I, I'm saying all this just to challenge you. We can pray for the lost, and then we can begin to invite people to come and be a part of church. And I want to encourage you, don't be intimidated by the, this, this precious opportunity that we have to worship God freely together. And you know what, even if there is somebody that, you know, cat out of the bag, you're one of those Christians, you know what, don't be moved by that and don't be worried by that. I feel like I'm talking to somebody here. I, this isn't like in my sermon notes. I feel like I'm talking to somebody here. You know what, even if they say, whoa, you know, when, when the, the screws start turning, you'll be the person they come to talk to. Because they'll realize you're a part of something where there's something going on. Come on, can you say amen? You all tracking with me so far? Nobody napping? All right. All right, good. We're, we're uh, starting to run out of time here, so let me move along. Discipleship. That's the next, you know, biblical purpose of the church. Discipleship. So there's uh, several scriptures to reference there. But I, I just want to remind us in its simplest form, what is the, the simple definition of discipleship? It's to be like Jesus. So what is the discipleship growth process to look more and more like Jesus? So, hey, how's the mouth challenge going from a couple weeks ago? I was working on it this last week. There's a couple of times I was having some conversations that I said, oh, mouth challenge. I was telling on myself, got to watch my mouth, right? right? But part, part of things like that are, are hey, let's, let's have where my life inside and out looks more like Jesus. And it's always from the inside out uh, in our personal growth with the Lord. So, so discipleship. And then fellowship is the next one. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. 
in Hebrews 10.25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day coming, that day of the return of the Lord. So fellowship is an important part of our uh, being together uh, as a church family here. Yeah, I, I used uh, an, an illustration in first service going back to us being the thermostat and not just a thermometer. So I want you to know as imperfect as, as life can be when we all do life together, right? We're imperfect people, right? So we have this ideal of who we want to be as a life-giving, inspiring, um, beautiful church that brings the best out of everybody. Truth is, in our family, sometimes there's, there's iron sharpening iron that's going on and all of that, right? You know. So um, when it comes to people showing up at church, we are working very hard to make it one of the most, uh, to take away to take away obstacles from somebody coming in off the street, feeling welcome to come and be a part of the church family, to meet the Lord and become part of the family. So, so we're, we're working hard in all that we do with, with our greeters and our parking lot and our ushers and our welcome room and, you know, follow-up notes and all these things that we send. But the truth is, the folks that study church and, you know, human, you know, response to things that we do, they say that for most people, Unless there is a handful of connections that they make, they're probably not going to stick around, no matter how good worship or message or anything of that is. I just want you to hear that for a minute because I'm inviting you to be a part of the fellowship that causes people to want to stick around. And, and I was reminded of a story. It was early on uh, when I was youth pastoring, there was a student who brought a friend for the first time to the youth ministry. And it was a particularly uh, special Wednesday night. And God was really moving during the worship time. And then it moved into a time of prayer for folks. And this first time kid, this is first time out at church, and God began to pour his glory on this guy. I mean, to the point where he began to weep and he was like, because it, it, he was just so encountering the presence of God. Come on, can you say amen? You know, I mean, and I'm not exaggerating. A little bit later on toward the end of the night, I'm walking through the chairs and this kid is like this, just on the floor weeping. On, you know, I'm thinking, did somebody get beat up in the service? Like this, you know, and I leaned over, I said, hey man, are you okay? And, and all I could get out is, I never experienced anything like this before. I never experienced anything like this before. I was so touched. And, you know, I foolishly thought, first time here, he's here for life. I mean, he just met God and God, I mean, he just had a collision with the living God. This guy's going to be here forever. You want to know what? A couple of weeks later, he wasn't back. He had a good friendship with that person that brought him, but there wasn't that connection with a handful of other folks you hear what I'm saying, church? Can you say amen? So even, even with somebody showing up and saying, that was amazing, I felt God there, uh, wow, the, the message touched me. If we together don't reach people, and actually I want to do this as a, uh, uh, forgive me, if there's anybody that doesn't like touching hands, then don't come up here as I ask you to do that. Hand out the, the hand sanitizer after uh, Bill and Leanne, Fred, and how about you, you guys, would you mind? Here's what we need to do uh, moving forward. And here's something else. I, I, let's, how are we doing? Are we okay this morning? Everybody good? All right. The, the older a church gets, the more and more we have to guard against inside-out thinking. Now, as believers, we grow in Christ inside-out. As a new person in church, we tell folks, it's all about you. Jesus died for you. Come forward, and we have all this for you. But if we're not careful we start saying, I'm comfortable, I've found my place, I'm using my gifts, and we stop thinking about outside. And then if, if we're not careful, we're not living intentionally to make it easy for somebody to, to come to the Lord. So, so um, hey, why don't you just come on over to, I just want to, you know, so Dustin over there, hey, let's all, let's all just, you know, gather hands here. Uh, actually, you, you, I'm going to have you on the outside. I'm going to, we'll all hug you afterward, but I'm going to make you the outsider for a minute. So here we are, you know, I'm at my church, found my fellowship, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my ministries that I like, I got my circle, you know, uh, I'm good. 
you know, uh, now, now here comes Dustin. Now he's looking around. He's saying, hey, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll show up. Maybe I'll hang out at Grace and Peace. And if this is what he feels, is he going to hang out? No. He's going to be out the door. What if, what if God rocks him? He'll say, that's awesome. So what church am I going to go to? And he'll start looking for churches online. Now what about if Don and Diane, you know, open up? They let him on in? That's a good next step, isn't it? Yep. What if... What if as we find our home and our place, what if we just live this way? No closed circle. You know, we just, you know, we just start saying, hey, Francine, whenever you want, you come on over. Or how about this? We go and we see somebody off on their own and we go over and we bring our circle over by them. Yeah, right. Can you say amen? Yeah, amen? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your help with that. Hand sanitizer. Come on, I'm not like fearful or germaphobe, but how many know on the other side of, you know, all the stuff that we've been through, it's just become the habit now, you know? I'm like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know, kind of a thing? Catch myself doing it. Come on, you, you know you're doing it too, right? So, so I, I hope that's a good picture. It, it is, it's not even mean-spirited or, or, or anything like that. It's human nature to find a circle and close it up. And so, so, again, do you hear why I'm saying this is a message key for us if we're uh, a week old to grace and peace in the Lord and, or we, we've been here for 30 years, we have to make sure, have I closed the circle? Have I stopped looking around? Hey, can I just tell you, I, I was on staff at a church where an elder would make it a practice when they walked into the sanctuary, if somebody was sitting in their favorite seat, a new person, they would ask them to move out of their seat. Yes, you have permission to gasp as loud as you want at that. I cannot believe, I, I, I mean, that is inside out thinking to the point of dysfunction. You know, I can remember being on staff with somebody who had such an anointing for creating fellowship and, you know, and, and great parties and things like that. And I remember when that person got to the point where they said, hey, I've got a doctorate now. I don't do parties anymore. Find somebody else to do it. And it was pretty much with that kind of tone and spirit. You know, if we get to a point where we, whatever goes on, where we say, I don't do that anymore, we're in trouble, right? We want to stay in a place, Lord, whatever it is you desire. I mean, I mean, Jesus, right? We say that discipleship is, is ultimately being more like Jesus. You know, in the culmination right before the cross, what did he do? He got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' filthy feet, showing them that leadership is service, right? Love is service to those around us. Amen? Amen. So church, I want you with me to be setting that temperature where we say, all right, outside in, not inside out. You know, it's, it's not either or. We can have our place and, and our dear friendships and, you know, but you ever, ever hear the expression, who moved my cheese? Right? That means like you messed with, you know, things the way I like them. Don't, don't mess with it. We need to constantly live in a place where we recognize 624,000 people in Ocean County. Jesus has called us to love and serve and reach and disciple a, a portion of that community anyway. And so outside in thinking is going to be totally different. And you want to know what? We need every single one of us to help make that happen. Amen? I hope that excites your heart. You know, the, the, you know, when we talk about what's the real ministry that's going on, on on a Sunday, I tell you what, somebody helping someone else feel connected so they plant down and they grow in God's calling and purpose for their life doesn't get much bigger than that. That is awesome, awesome, awesome. So I thank you for hearing my heart on that. Um, and, and then you, you know, just going back to, uh, let, let me talk, did I give you ministry as the next fill-in? Okay, so, so talking about ministry now, um, let's understand this too, as we set the temperature, as we think uh, outside in, not inside out. Ministry, so this is, this is me, the pastors, the deacons, all of the leaders, department heads, or any person that's serving in a ministry right now. Let's understand ministry here at Grace and Peace is not filling a role. It's growing spiritually, Amen. right? And how do we do it? We do it through whatever role that we happen to be filling at the time. But if we, if we see it as filling a role, we're going to approach it 
with a lid on what God can do in it. But if we see ministry as this is an opportunity for me to grow spiritually. See, see, let me give you for instance. All right, fine, I hear you, Jim, I'll join the ministry. Then you join, next week you meet somebody, they rub you the wrong way, out you go. That's because I see it as I'm, I'm filling a job. But if we realize, Lord, you've called me to serve so I can grow, you meet somebody that's challenged you, now we say, oh, Lord, you're teaching me forgiveness. You're teaching me patience. You're teaching me long-suffering. You're teaching me not to be offended. You're teaching me to love the church more than a situation that happened. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right. And then in the world, the world looks at serving. How many can serve me? In, in the church, we say, how many can I serve? All right, well, hey, we're just about out of time. I'm going to give you these, uh, these four pictures just for everyone who's not going to sleep if you don't have all the fill-ins. <laughs> the church is a fellowship, and I know we've talked about that. The second one, the church is a family. And so, family, as you've heard the heart as you've heard the vision, as you've heard the ideal that we're aiming toward, all of us are going to fall short on that. We're just gonna. Uh, my prayer is that as we have heard this today, if there be anybody that you have been wounded, you've been offended, you've been slighted, you've been angered, that God would use what, this, this vision talk today to help you recognize and understand, all right, this did happen, but I know the heart and I know what we're aiming at. And because of that, with the Lord, we'll push past whatever thing happened and we'll keep moving forward. We'll keep working at it and working at it and working at it. So church, I want to ask you if you can say this in faith. I'm going to lead you out before you know what I'm saying. I won't give up on my church. I won't give up on my church. One more time. I won't give up on my church. Because see, the enemy will come in and he'll just use whatever pains, whatever frustrations, whatever... Uh, offenses, wounds that come along, the enemy will come in with gasoline and he'll try to pour that on that fire. And he'll try to do as much damage in the process that he can. And, and like I said, my prayer is that when we understand, hey, I know where we're going, I know what we're aiming at. And again, thermostat, so we don't look and say, well, that's busted, <laughs> or, or someone, and saying, they're busted. You know, but instead say, uh, okay, but I'm going to set the temperature. We don't want to look at something that's, that's broken or not working and say, well, they talk about this, but they're that. Did you just hear me on that? They talk about wanting to be this, but this is what they are. No, instead, first of all, let's get rid of they. If you attend here, if you remember here, it's we. Right? So it would be, well, we say we're this, but this happened. But I'm going to help set the temperature to make it a little better. And, and I just tell you honestly, church, we can't do that without you. We can't become what God has called us to be unless we all have a picture for this. And I'm sorry I'm going longer. My heart is just so full with all this that we're talking about. The, the next one, the church is a body. We've talked about that. And then the last one, uh, the church is a flock. We are a flock. So just wherever in the process of this message, if there's anything that the Lord put his finger on, I'd encourage you just to jot a note down as whatever a next step is for you. You know, whatever that looks like. Maybe I talked about, you know, ministry there for a minute and you're saying, yeah, I think I will start serving in a ministry area. That's, that, okay, spiritual growth. And I'll talk more about that next time a little bit. Maybe evangelism. I'm going to start praying for the lost. You know, I'm going to start building my testimony. You know, maybe there's, there's uh, you, you know, somebody else in here, what I was talking about toward the end there. Yeah, you know what? There's, there's been some challenges that have really been holding me back. But, but uh, you, you know, I think God's telling me just by faith to put that down. You know, that'll be a next step. So whatever that looks like on any of these things, going back to what we talked about in worship, what are some next steps that the Lord has called you to? Well, hey, would you stand with me as we close? Appreciate your hanging in.
Oh, Lord. Father, I pray that by your spirit, we were able to just paint some of the picture of the opportunity that you've called us into here. Lord, we recognize that what we do together as our church, what we do together as a community, Lord, then you call us out into the different circles of our lives and anoint us as you grow us and equip us to be used by you to bring light to darkness, to bring salvation and healing where there's brokenness. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just pour on us, fill us, And some of these foundational things that we looked at here today, Lord, let these things be rooted as we walk out our lives as part of this church family. I pray first and foremost for each of us that we would live a life with our hearts set ablaze for you. Lord, it's our commitment to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we pray around this room, watching online, wherever we need to be revived, Lord, revive us. Lord, wherever we need to lay sin down, we say that we lay it down. Lord, whatever that we've allowed to steal our love and our affection and our attention and our strength, Lord, we, we choose to turn away from that and to fix our eyes on you. And Lord, in that, as we would live in that place, as you would refresh and renew and revive that in our lives, Lord, let it pour into all these other areas. The Great Commission, loving and reaching the lost, growing and serving each other as we grow as disciples, being people of great compassion. Lord, in a world that's been so embittered, so ground down, Lord, we know that it has hit so much of the body. Lord, we pray, make us, make us all that you have called us to be. And so, Lord, we completely lean on you. We depend on you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Open our eyes, open our hearts. God, I just pray around this room, Lord, just a fresh anointing. Lord, a fresh capacity to carry the vision that you have, Lord, for each life individually and then for as we come together, Lord, thank you for stretching and growing our capacity. Thank you for fresh anointing. Thank you for freshly commissioning us. God, we just stand in the gap together now. Just we, we pray for this household of faith. Lord, wherever there is brokenness, we pray that you would come and bring healing. Lord, we pray wherever there's physical need that you would bring physical healing. Lord, we pray wherever there is emotional need, Lord, emotional brokenness, Lord, spiritual brokenness, Lord, we pray that you would come and touch and fill and meet that need. Lord, we stand in the gap. Lord, we pray wherever uh, in relationships where things are strained or broken, we pray that you would bring healing in relationships all around this church family. God, wherever there is lack, wherever there's poverty, Lord, we thank you that we've been redeemed from that because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
Thank you for life and life abundantly. Thank you for physical wholeness wherever it's needed. God, thank you for deliverance from poverty and lack. Lord, we thank you that you've called this body to be the head and not the tail. Lord, we thank you that it would be not not for the um, use on ourselves, but that the name of Jesus would be lifted up in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for fresh anointing. Lord, we, we agree together for increase in anointing, in wisdom, in understanding. Lord, in each and every heart, each and every household, we just give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Your church, your church will kick down the gates of hell. Hallelujah. I thank you for pouring compassion like we've never known. Lord, not not a solical compassion, but one that pours out of your work in our lives and who you are in our lives. Lord, I pray for the effects of this last two and a half years, wherever there needs to be healing from where this last couple of years, if if it's damaged our perspective, if it's caused us to lose heart, Lord, if there's any hopelessness, if there's despair, Lord, if there's depression, we break those things in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that there would be a fresh flood of hope into every heart here today, watching online, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Lord, thank you that no weapon formed against your church will prosper. God, we thank you. Lord, we stand together shoulder to shoulder in the gap wherever weapon has been formed against this body. We say weapons you will not prosper in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I ask that you would take us now in these days ahead as we would pursue you. Lord, that you would continue to draw us in deeper. And as you draw us in deeper, may we continue to catch a heart to reach the world around us. So, Lord, we commit all of this into your hands. We thank you for for what you're doing fresh in our lives here this morning. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.